Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ask me, ask Eliza anything, it's time to ask, ask me all your questions, leave them in the Instagram comment section, leave them on your Twitter, or leave them on your Facebook, we'll see them, we'll read them, then we'll give you answers, you know it, I've got it, I've got the answer, the answer, you ask me. I want to take a second to talk about this next guest, sort of brag about this next guest for a second. You know, I don't get a chance to interview a lot of comics, mostly because they're a pain in the ass to book. Now, I don't really know this woman personally that well, but from the few times we've chatted, I've just found her to be so open and so warm. And the other week I walked up to her at a show safely and I was just like, why is nobody talking about your body of work and how many shows you've been on and how long you've been working in Hollywood. And she just was a ball of sunshine, just opened right up and we just started talking. And as a woman in comedy, as a black woman in comedy, as someone just working in Hollywood, I was like, well, I need to talk to this woman. And she was kind enough to say yes. So here she is, Sherry Shepard. So you and I have crossed paths a couple times at a couple shows. And I always think of, Comics that I don't know, you know, it's always that thing where like, do I say hi to this person? Do I not? And you and I, I mean, she's my friend and you've worked with her. Uh, there's a comic named Kate the Wasp, who I think was on like a showcase you did, right? Yes. And I love Kate so much. She always spoke so fondly of you. And a lot of times when you have a really famous comic and then a newer comic, the newer comic is like, yeah, I was on their show. They don't really know me. And she had the nicest thing to say about you for years. And I always logged it in my mind, like Sherry Shepard's a good one. And then yeah. you were so lovely to me at just random shows where I'd see you. And I'm like, okay, she's safe. <laughs> I can talk to her. <laughs> because- Oh, girl. And it was just really nice to meet you because we had never formerly met. Yeah. And I know of you and I know people who know you. And so, you know, being in New York for the whole time, you know, I was in New York for nine years and I didn't get to meet, a, you know, I have the comics that I started with, right. but I did, you know, coming back in 2016, I don't know a lot of comics. And so you were one of them and, you know, going to comedy clubs and kind of reintroducing myself is always kind of hard. Yeah. But uh, I will say Kate made such an impression on me. I think I got her on, yeah, I got her on The View. It was The View. It was, I, I, and I remember, 
I just remember that because there's always that thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to say hi to this comic and they're going to be a jerk to me or they're going to whatever. And you were friendly. And so I always like to say hi to you when I see you. And, and here we are both super humble doing a drive-in show in the parking lot of the Magic Castle yeah. <laughs> during Corona. And <laughs> you were on my mind because my husband has this, I'm not even going to call it low-key, but obsession with the fact that Emeril Lagasse had a, had a show because uh, my husband's a chef and he's writing an article about it. And we were Googling it the other day and I said, and I saw, oh my God, Sherry Shepard. I watched like half an episode. I was like, Sherry Shepard was on this. And then I was like, Sherry Shepard was also on 30 Rock, which I watch front to back maybe three times a year. And I came up to you at the show and I was like, can we talk about how you have been here for a minute and this needs to be discussed? You were so sweet. I was like, what? Because you were like, girl, you are a legend. I was like, well, I ain't dead. Damn. But <laughs> I mean, there's all this conversation. And as we progress in society and as uh, different voices of different colors and different backgrounds are getting more and more attention, I think no matter how we progress, whether it's women in comedy or BIPOC or whatever, there's always this people kind of forget like the people who came literally 10 years before. There's always a focus on the new voice or somebody that, you know, that's from, you know, like 50 years ago. And it's like, but what about the women who were paving the way for other women not that long ago and continue to work? You know, you weren't on like a sitcom. I actually made a list. You have, just so people realize, and I want to talk to you and then we'll get into the questions. You know, everybody always asks about starting out this isn't like, oh, you were on 30 Rock and you have been on the Emerald show, Friends, 30 Rock, How I Met Your Mother, more recently, Mr. Iglesias, Trial and Error, Suddenly Susan, Everybody Loves Raymond, The Jamie Foxx Show. You had your own fucking sitcom and you were on The View. Who has a resume like that? Wow. When you say that, I'm like, who, who is that? <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> Girl. I mean, what are you Thank doing? You, what, yeah, what are you doing right to be working this consistently in a significant manner? Man, Eliza, I get, I, you know, I, I, I feel so thankful. Like, I co-host um, this pop culture show called Dish Nation. Yes, and sometimes I'll be in the middle of going, "Welcome to Dish Nation," and you know, with the the you know Debrad and. And, you know, all of the, and Heidi and Frank from 97.5, yeah. they're all, you know, DJs and stuff. And sometimes I'll just go, I just need a minute because I'm crying. Aww. Because I'm th I'm so thankful to still be working. I'm so thankful that, that you know, being relevant mm -hmm. and being a woman of color who still people go, I can count on her to bring funny. Right. And, you know, and being with these young people on Dish Nation and... I, I'm I'm so thankful. Oh my gosh, that I'm not one of those. Whatever happened to Sherry? Right. So, That's your next sitcom. Whatever happened to whatever Sherry? Whatever happened to Sherry, girl? Um, <laughs> it is crazy. I, what What do I do to consistently work? I think people know they can count on me. Mm -hmm. They know that when I come to a set at this one in the game, Eliza. I'm going to tell you, people want to work with folks who are just nice people. They. It's so crazy. Um, I just get so many comments. The last two gigs I had uh, was trial and error with John Lithgow and Kristen Chenoweth. And when I went in and met with the executive producers, they said, we called around and asked how you were to work with. 
because we already know you're acting. We just want, and everybody said you were nice. We want to work with you. When I got offered Iglesias, Kevin Hinch, the showrunner, said, I called around and asked how you were. Gabe loves you. We just want to work with nice people. Yeah. So I think it's been a big factor in um, with with uh, how I met your mother. They were like, we just heard you were so nice. Right. People just want to work with kind people. It's like, you know, you want to do this gig, go the fuck home. Yes. And live your life. You don't want to be over here bullshitting with people who are causing drama. Mm-hmm. So... I think a lot of it has to do with that, of being friendly and going, you know, don't have an attitude. You're, you're so lucky just in general as a performer to be able to work the people that make it about them. That's what people don't get. They think Hollywood is all like blow and sex. And it's like, yeah, maybe when you're like 20, if you're lucky. But other than okay. that, people have families and you want to sit in traffic and go home to your house and just chill and you want to get your job done and be efficient. Nobody wants to spend extra hours on set. You want to do your job. You want to go. And it's just like that show that we did, the drive-in show. Yep. You know, you want to go have a good time. Cause you're already tense. Cause COVID is everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's freaking everywhere. And it's, and, and that was literally only the second time I've been on stage mm. since we had been quarantined. And I kept saying no. And I said, but I know that Tammy Joe is going to have some really great people there because she's a great person. Right. And I said, okay, girl, I'm going to come. And when she said the names, I was like, I would love to be there because I just love girl power Aww. and being amongst women because I'm so tired of being the only woman on a lineup even now. Right. Um, so I said, I just need to connect with women. And I'm so thankful that I did because I met you and you were so cool. No. You know, that we were just talking and I, you you just want that. It's just like too much stuff going on with you. This drama and the jealousy and the pettiness and, you know, I don't want that. I don't want two things. One, I love when I said all the blow and sex, you were like, okay. Like you didn't even yes at it. You were like, and <laughs> no, no, that's your journey. <laughs> you're right though. When you're in your 20s, I'm, I, and I have to say this because I, I have drug addicts all in my family. Got it. So I never wanted to go that way. But it was around me. Now, the sex, I wish. I'm two years accidentally celibate. But <laughs> um, it's so funny because I do rem- I remember being at a at a house party that was at Mitzi Shore's house. Oh, my God. And, you know, she lived above the comedy right. store. And it was a bunch of comics there. I didn't know what the hell they was doing. They kept going downstairs in the basement. I didn't know what. I was so naive. Yeah. Literally so naive. I was just happy to be out the house. Right. And... I was in the bathroom with the waitresses from the comedy store, and one of them was, um, oh, uh, uh, El- uh, uh, Kerrigan, Eleanor, yeah, Eleanor Kerrigan, and I wasn't doing no, no, no drugs, nothing. We was in the bathroom showing each other our breasts, right? How, who had biggest boobs? That's what kind of fun I was having at Missy Shore's house. That's so, what girls do. Yeah, that stuff was going on. A dear friend, Freddie Soto, died from yeah. you know doing drugs. I I never even knew they. You know, when you don't do it, they don't talk about it around you. But right. it was there. But in this age, girl, I'm too old to be doing drugs. I have a freaking, I'll get Bell's palsy if I try to <laughs> right now. I even I'm said it. Do something below. Oh my God, I wish. I, I also, I never, I've never worked in TV. Uh, I've never been cast on anything. And so I don't have the same, ex- I've only been doing stand-up forever. And then more recently, other stuff. But like my early 20s, like it was all stand-up. I have no sitcom experience Uh, So I wish I was invited to those parties, but it was just me on the road with my dog. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
it happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time, no additional charge, and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Um... But you're absolutely right in terms of the, you know, because you talk about being the only girl in a lineup. It it doesn't bother me because, you know, people book shows for different reasons. But I will say when you, you, you don't realize how much you need that girl time until you see another one. And we go hard. Like I saw another woman there and I, we just like talked about divorce. You and I talked about, so like, it's like you see another woman and you're like, let's get into it. Because... Boys are dumb. I don't know. It's, you know, I love hanging with the boys. I really do. And I'm such, you don't, not going to do anything that's going to offend me. Yeah. But it's just, I, you, just for the, what you just said, I love being around a woman where we could just talk about 
stuff and you're a woman, I'm a woman, we just connect that way. But I also want to see more women on stage. I, For me, and having to fight that for so long yeah, and still be on a lineup and it's just me and, and it's a, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's all these other comics. And I, I'm like, I just want to see, feel some more estrogen on the stage. Cause we don't all talk about our period. No, 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 ma'am. <laughs> to talk about. No, I think it's important to show to showcase good women in comedy, just like it is for diverse voices in men and to show that we're capable of talking about many things and it's that way it's not such a shock when a girl does yeah. have a set that has nothing to do with something sexual, which is okay too as long as it's fucking funny. That's all I can, That's if, all if I care about. Funny, that's what it is. That's all I care about. So, speaking funny. of funny, Queen of Jordan, yeah. speaking of funny, <laughs> Nira Lip 11 says, Angie, on 30 Rock was always so bold and unique. In what ways did you put yourself into the role if you did? <laughs> you know what? It's so funny. I love playing these bold, vivacious, take no prisoner attitude because that's so not me. I am really, I came from being this shy girl. I was a Jehovah's Witness. Mm. I knocked on doors on Saturday wow. and talked about getting into the new system and Jehovah loving you. My parents were very strict religiously. You know, I was the shy one doing stand-up. Right. And so to play these kind of roles, it's almost like Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. Yes, right. It, that is these kind of roles, Angie Jordan or, you know, uh, Rhonda on Friends. This is my Sasha Fierce. Because then I get to connect with that side of me. And I do it on stage. Right. That stage persona that I have. When I'm off stage, is I kind of go back to me. I'm very low key. I'm very, you know, um, I, I don't enter the room like, I'm here. No. It's, Nobody likes it's, that person. <laughs> it's an annoying No, person. there's some people that do it. They, got it. they need that validation. Right. And so I'm pretty low key. So I love playing those kind of roles. I gravitate towards them. Because I take on women in my family who have that persona. Mm. I'm not that way. People in my family, the women fight. They like to fight or curse you out and then go to church. I'm that <laughs> just kind of like, I am such joy and I'm so happy to be alive. That's me. I love, you're a very smiley person too. I am. You're smi You're happy. You God gave me all these teeth for nothing. Do you have more teeth than the average person? I think I do. I think they're very white and they're very wide. I come from good stock, my teeth, my teeth. Like literally, I would love to ensure my smile because my smile is my gold. That's my money. Yeah. I tried to do the I try to do the J Lo thing and I look stupid as hell. What'd she do? You know, J Lo when she does red carpet, she kinda Oh, she's very serious. Yeah. It's that it's that mixture of J Lo and Chloe Kardashian that mm. kinda and I look stupid and I feel stupid. Mine is always teeth i got these big lips for a reason and i you know you do have very white teeth and that is it's a coveted thing not everybody has that um i will tell you on the red carpet i've definitely thought like okay because a lot of sometimes when i see really famous people and they don't smile i'm like yeah they're tired of doing it so i'm like you know what i'm gonna pretend that too but you get one photographer yelling smile and you're like okay i'm smiling like it just shakes you you're like okay i'm sorry i wasn't people do that they do that little sexy pout sexy poo thing and it's like, I don't know if you can really see personality. Yeah. And I, I like I like people when they smile because I think you can just see joy. I, that's what I want to see. I want to know that they're pumped to be there. I, I'm pumped. Totally. Uh, can we talk about uh, one question about Jehovah's Witness? And like, I'm Jewish and I think that I'm the entry point for that religion. 
um, to a lot of people who listen to this podcast um, without yeah. them knowing that it's probably their lawyers and their the people who do their taxes <laughs> as well. But uh, meme XE underscore kid says, Sherry is a former Jehovah's Witness like myself. If I remember correctly, curious on the thoughts about everyone else now celebrating, I'm sorry, everyone else now not celebrating holidays mostly with this year's reset button, aka the pandemic. We were used to it growing up and not celebrating holidays. And this season is very hard on some people regardless or faith of faith recognized or not. I'm not positive what the question is, but I guess they're wondering, are you still practicing and maybe talking about how do you feel with no one celebrating it? Does it bother you? Or are you used to it? Because I know Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate holidays, correct? I Yeah, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness anymore. Okay. Um, my parents got out the religion when I was about 17. But I'm intentional about celebrating Christmas because I just wanted to have some memories from my son when he was born. Mm. I wanted us to have memories together of decorating a tree. I didn't get into all of the symbolic stuff. It doesn't mean it, you know, right. it, like I have a Santa Claus in my driveway right now. And I just like it because I see the kids who come by and it brings them joy. Mm. So it brings me joy. And um, so I do celebrate Christmas. I buy gifts for kids. And I, I like that it brings people joy. That it does just as simple as it is. Um, Halloween, my son likes to get dressed up. However, I like that joy. Don't come to my door with a fucking axe in your head <laughs> and you're 15 looking like a 30-year-old. I don't play that bullshit because I got a gun. Don't be doing that. Don't scare <laughs> me like that. That's the kind of stuff I don't like. But Christmas, I started, I decorated my driveway with a whole bunch of Christmas stuff. I got a reindeer. I got toy soldiers. I got little lights on the trees. Yeah. I started in the first of November, because I said I, I wanted people who were walking their dogs and their baby strollers to get a little extra joy because we were in quarantine. I love that. And it's it's so rare that you can even connect, even if you're not home, that you're able to connect with people. And the fact that you were able to do something that could affect someone, even if you weren't around, because we're also holed up in our houses. So I think that that's pure. And I would venture to say, uh, just speculating, that is part of the joy of the Christmas season, is making other people feel nice. Yeah, yeah I, like I mean, that. I don't get into the, you know, Liza, I think people get so depressed because, they, they, you know, you're trying to buy everything for everybody. No. And I let adults know, I'm not, this ain't for you. I don't have nothing for you, but I'll get <laughs> something for your little girl. At 15 or 16, you're not going to get no more from, no. from me. You're getting too old. It's weird. But for the kids, I'm like, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I just like seeing people happy. I, so I know it's a hard thing for people who are by themselves during the holidays. It's it's rough. So I, if I can give you just a little bit of joy, because I got a bunch of lights and reindeers and other stuff around, then come on by. Come on by Sherry Shepard's We'll give out the address at the end of the show. Girl, you know I'm going to reach through this computer. <laughs> <laughs> it's 223 um, so you were on The Masked Singer also, right? Yeah. That yeah. show is so wild and it, it has to be a Japanese show because it is so... It, yes, it is. Oh my God, I just guessed that because it, it feels Japanese. Um, <laughs> the question for you, somebody asked, oh yes, uh, Regal Beagle 78 was being on The Masked Singer as much fun as it looks? Is it really that secretive and no one really knows who's in the costumes? And then Anonymous says, I don't know why this is anonymous. What's the process for choosing your particular songs for The Masked Singer? Okay. Um, the Masked Singer, it was the same casting director from Dancing with the Stars. So she Which knows you were me. also on. Which I was on, Dancing with the Stars. I love doing those kind of shows. I They're just fun. 
They pay great money. Yeah. You know, let me let me put it this way. They pay great money yeah. and they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get away from it. We 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 are in this. I gotta take care of my baby and pay child support and, and um to husband. So, so I, I someone's gotta pay for the Santa Claus and the lights and the reindeer on the front lawn. Thank you. As Jenny McCarthy always says, Mama gotta feed the baby. And that is my <laughs> mantra. Feed the baby. But Mass Singer. You do pick your own costume. So I was one of the first people to pick my costume. I like, I wanted to do one of those big ball gowns with the butterfly wings and the head. And once they said that stuff that gets a little heavy, if you got to move, I was like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> penguin. And I liked the, the penguin because symbolically it meant to me not everything is black and white about mm. me. So once you find your costume, it's great. Then you can kind of figure out what you want to do. And they give you like a head to put on. The heads are very light. Um, but I, th- you know what I started doing with my head? I was spray like Listerine in it. Because when you put on somebody's old head, mm. you know what you get? Somebody's old breath. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what head they had me put on to show me how it was. But I was like, good. good woo! Um, was it Lil Wayne? I feel like he has stinky mouth. Was it Lil Wayne? <laughs> no, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne came after me. People got to so. clean your grills. Okay, fine. Was it Lil Wayne? Did he come before me? I don't know. I don't know. Was, but girl, it was it was not good. Oh no. Um. So you pick out your costume. The song selection. They get. They try to help you with song selection. That's more in the in the tone of your voice. Like I can't do how my voice is deep. So they had me doing um take a seat right over there, sat in a chair, stay with me. I don't remember what the name of that song. Uh, 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 Carmen, the the girl, I forget her name, who was with Fifth Fifth Dynasty. Oh my God. None of these words are matching for me. Fifth Harmony? Fifth Harmony. She was with Fifth Harmony. She's got the Spanish name. Camilo, Camilo. Oh, wait, who's in Fifth Harmony that has a Spanish name? Camilo Cabella? She wasn't. Yeah, her. Really? That, okay. Okay. Stay with me. The captain's a bear. I'm going to wear just how in, into this mess. We got aggressive. I, girl, you, I ain't going to never remember. It was, it was very popular. Okay. But it was in that level. And you go in and they teach you not how to sing. You have a vocal coach every single day. As much as you want to be with this vocal oh, wow. coach. Oh, wow. Vocal coach 24 hours. You can't, which I was, because I'm not a singer. I karaoke. Right. And, um. The, the vocal coach teaches you how to hold a note, not how to sing. It's like dancing with the stars does not teach you to dance. They teach you choreography. Just how to not so, look horrible on national TV. How to not look horrible. Right. So, one, and so you know, they even taught me how to go, ah, ah, that kind of stuff, because I don't do that. But no. they teach you how to do it. You right. meet at locations. When you get there, no. They don't even want people to know you are Black. So I had to cover <laughs> up with a face mask, a shield, um, sweatpants, right. cover gloves. They could not. And you know how hard that is for me to, to just kind of nod? Right. Because I like to talk. I like to hug. You cannot say anything. The only people who know what you are your producers, the vocal coach, and the people who record your song. Wow. So what you hear in your ear is either this Camilio Caballo, I can listen to her, or I can sing to my own voice. And I'm saying, you know, why the hell I want to sing with my own voice? Because that bitch can't sing. So play <laughs> Camilia in my ear. So you're singing to that. It's very, I'm very nervous because I'm not, you know, girl, when we do our stand-up, we stand in one place. I don't, but, but in theory, one should. Yes. Not Yeah, dance, or yeah. we might pace the stage, but when you're an entertainer, like a Donny Osmond or a Lil Wayne, you you're around. using the entire stage. A lot of arms, yeah. So 
Yeah. You got a lot of arms and it's a lot. And what I realized why I am a comic, when you sing, mama, you need breath control for all that. So as soon as they had dancers and they had me moving, I almost fell off the stage. Yeah. So that was the one thing that tripped me up. It was so much fun. I loved it, but I was always very nervous because I'm not a singer. So it helped having a mask on. So I didn't see the judgment of people because the eyes were here, but all I could see were the feet. I couldn't even see the judges. That's probably for the best. You know, like we're not, you're not, if you're not a trained dancer and singer, that's a lot. It's a whole different animal. And people think just because you're on TV, oh, this should be easy. You're just like, no, this is, these things require training. You know, like it does comics yeah. don't usually make it past the second week. Really of life. Are- <laughs> Girl, you're so right. Look, comics are usually we usually are the probably the third to go. Yeah. We don't make it a long ways on dancing with the stars or mass singer, right. unless you're a comic that can sing. But yeah, we we after we entertain you for a little bit, we gone. Comics are like, I got a gig at the store. I gotta get out of here. Vote me off. So yeah, for another show that you've been on, I, this your resume is so long. Zosfi says, what up, Pod Squad? I've been watching reruns of both the original and the new match game for a while, home for the holidays. Sherry, is it as much fun as it looks to be on the show? Eliza, have you ever been asked to do it? Uh, no, I haven't. Thank you. Uh, but they oh, want to know well, if it's fun. Tell them. I, ha- I, don't, I don't think, I don't know if I'm booked this season, but I sure am going to let them know. Let them know. That you watch the show. Uh, is it fun? It is a blast because you get to be on there with people like I'm when I'm on there, Rosie O'Donnell is always on there. Oh, fun. So I love Rosie O'Donnell. You get to you get to meet people and they're really very cool because they let you drink. I don't drink. I just get high off of everybody else's energy. I but they the drink girl. I took one drink one time. I was so Alec no. Bob goes, You don't you're not getting anything fucking right. Jeez Louise. <laughs> But um, you get to be stupid and play, and I love it, and you make good money. Oh, my gosh. So those I, shows pay. Those shows pay. Those shows pay. When you see these people on these little uh, Hollywood game night, $25,000 pyramid, yes. that, those are little, um, we call those ATM gigs. Yes. Because they're like little, you're selling Avon. It, they're side gigs. You you know and they pay really well and they're fun to do. There I, I I've done Hollywood Game Night a few times and I'm like I love games. I'm really smart. Uh, these games are very easy. You make a bunch of money and to your point, they have alcohol. They always want you to drink it. I one time I had some champagne and I was like I can't look this tired on camera. Like it will show up in your face. The alcohol is what gets me because I had some on Hollywood Game Night and yes. contestants like me because for some reason they think I'm really knowledgeable. Don't know where that came from, but they always <laughs> tend to pick me at the end where it's like, I'm going to win you yes. some money. It's me and another. And so I I had drank some stuff, girl, and I wasn't thinking right. And the girl's name came up, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh. Now, how easy is she? I, I Hunger Games didn't come to my mind. A Silver Lining Playbook. I kept going, she's a white girl. Yeah. She's a white girl. Boy. That's all I said. And I could see my contestant, her hopes and dreams all, just die. All that money. Yeah. All that money. I made my charity, I think, like 30000 because there's a charity component. Yeah. Um, but we, she didn't get far. And I and I looked at her. I said, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I don't, so I tried not to drink because it literally dulls everything. It gets in there. I don't know how people do it. I even like sometimes then remember for anyone here that's going on a show they give you liquor because they want you to mess up like they want you to do something horrible that they can use for a commercial or acts that's real housewives is just a bunch of women drinking and throwing shoes at each other yeah that's it because you're 
You get bigger when you drink. You get sillier. You get to cursing. I did Wheel of Fortune, and I kept going, fuck that. What the fuck? None of that's going to make it. It's going to be ugly. Right. (laughs) That's our promo. I'll tell you, I'm not even... I've had, I'm a pretty uh, coherent drunk and I was out one time really hammered. And the next day I asked my husband, I was like, what was I talking about with that guy? And he was like, you talked about feminism for like three hours. And I was like, ooh, fun hang. <laughs> Get drunk around me. <laughs> anyway, cool. Oh uh, when you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl and Branch. Go to bowlandbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Great soul. 08 says, hi, love the pod. Question for you both, Sherry and Eliza. You're both hilarious and witty, but when doing sitcoms, movies, or TV shows, do you feel pressured to be funny and on all the time? Also, do you get intimidated working with other comedians, like Sherry working with Gabriel and Mr. Iglesias as a history teacher? I love that show so much. Thank you, girl. <laughs> um, do, I get, do I feel pressure to be funny? N- no, because the real good shows are written so beautifully. Mm. I, if I don't have to improv, I, that's when I feel pressure when I have to get on something and improv and make the lines better. So when you're on the 30 Rock, people think that as Angie Jordan, I improv. I didn't improv. None of that. Right. All of her lines were written. 
I just had to add my thing to it. Man, uh, man with the plan. I think maybe I added a couple, not man with the plan. Um, how I met your mother. I might've added a couple things, but it was written so beautifully friends. It was everything that they wrote. I just added my stuff on top. So when I do go in, I think I was intimidated. Those I'm not intimidated about because it's beautiful. And I had my stuff. I was intimidated when I did the Marlon Wayans show. And this is the way Marlon works. You write it and he says to you, Liza, if you want to change anything before we do it, you say, you, you're fine. Just change it if you want oh, to. Oh, I love that. That to me, then I feel pressure of I got to make it funny. And Marlon would be saying his lines and I was sitting here going, that's not on the script. Yeah, I don't know when to talk. Yeah. I don't know when to talk and I don't know how to go with it. Then I feel pressure because I really like to act and, and do what you wrote. In, intimidation with other comics? Uh, absolutely no, because I think we have a mutual respect for each other. So I, here's the thing about be, doing so much. I do walk on a set with a certain amount of confidence because I know what makes me unique and I know what I bring. I just do. So it's very hard to, um, intimidate me because I've been doing this for so long. Oh, we're, but I think especially for you, like we're past that point. Like to me, the intimidation, I think of that word, I think like, oh, you know, it's your first gig. Everyone's trying to assert themselves or something, or especially with comics, everyone's got like this attitude, but at a certain point, especially, and like, I really haven't done any TV gigs, but when you're around a plus talent, People are nice because everybody's kind of secure. Like there's no, you don't need to big time, you know? And then someone like Seinfeld walks in. It's like, well, he's the best one here. So no one else can like really posture. So I I doubt intimidation is a thing, especially again, you're working with nice people. You seem like you work best within the confines of the lines. You're like, give me good lines and I'll be funny. But you're like, I don't want to rewrite your script. And it's like, also you try to, you try to find things that you can connect with. I'm doing a recurring on, um, this show with Kira Sedgwick called Call Your Mother. It's in, and it was written by the woman who wrote The Adventures of Old Christine. Uh-huh. And Kira Sedgwick, I'm a fan of. So it was a little, now she's not a comic, but it was a little intimidating. And I said, good grief, we're the same age. We both have children. She's married to uh, Kevin Bacon, who I did a movie with. And she, Kevin is in New York. So we're probably both horny or not. <laughs> So there's a a multitude of things we can connect um, on. And we did. We hit it off so much so they asked me to come back and do four more episodes because I'm playing her best friend. And we started karaokeing and we were doing all of the oldies because everybody else on the show is really young. So we knew all of Captain and Tennille. Right. We knew all of Toto and Chicago. You're two women. You're two. Why not? You're two women of the same age. Bond with that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we were both hot flashing. So oh my God. you try to find stuff that you can connect with with people. Tell me and I th- the sequel to Flashdance is Hot Flash. The sequel to Flashdance is Hot Flash. It's like them what? like Flashdance from the 80s and it's just that story like 30 years later. <laughs> yes, oh Jennifer Beals. Jennifer Beals Crabby. Hot flashing, and she needs some kind of lubricant. There you go, hot flash. <laughs> oh man, I was like, please laugh at like, that. Not today, <laughs> not, and we are not doing it on no construction site. You know how many people down here <laughs> and catch us, and I'm wearing Hanes her way. I'm not wearing no damn leotard with no panties because that's how I got a yeast infection the last time, and it's all on UTI. So no, screw you. I think- and when you go get these damn kids, <laughs> come get them. Sam, 
underscore Sid underscore cats at play. Hello, Eliza and Sherry and the whole gang. I, oh, did I read this one? Nope, that's different. I love you, funny lady, so much. Sherry, you are cracking me up as Principal Madison on Mr. Iglesias. What's it like working on that show with so many funny people? But most importantly, because I fell in love with you as Ramona on Less Than Perfect, how much okay, oh. of that character that you play is from your personality, how much is an act? I see some similarities in the two characters who are so funny. Uh, and you can't help but love them. Wow. Uh, working on Iglesias is so great, girl, because I've known Gabe for 20 years. We used to do stand-up, and I didn't have a car. They had repossessed my car three times. Oh, my God. So I would do these gigs. I would do all of these um, Latin gigs, and all of these gigs, it, you know, where it was just like all, um, um, you know, like Puerto Ricans or Mexicans. Or did it. And that's how I met everybody. That's how I met Gabriel Iglesias and Freddie Soto and and everybody. And I didn't have a car to get back home. So he gave me a ride a couple times. Wow. Johnny Sanchez. Yeah. So they give me rides from these gigs. I was, I was taking a bus. Girl, I lived on 3rd and Western. And I would take the bus from a club called Igby's from Santa Monica. Oh, that was my three God. Bus. And I lived downtown. And, like, I would be taking a bus because, you know, you get out of comedy club late. I'd be at the bus stop yeah. at freaking midnight trying to get home. So these comics would, t- you know, they would take pity on me. And give me a ride. And Gabriel was one of them. And so it just helps to be kind because he remembered that we both did something together and I was in his mind. Right. And when he offered me the role as the principal. So I love being with Gabe because we we know each other really well. Less than perfect was an amazing. It's they're all based on my auntie. That's her that she was a she was a teacher. That's her personality on, on less than perfect and Iglesias. Less Than Perfect was amazing. I got to work with Zach Levi, who was Shazam, and mm-hmm. Marvis Hazel. That was his, like, first gig out of high school. Yeah. Can you believe that? No. And, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and then I met my assignment from God, who was Andy Dick. That is, like, I believe that was one of the reasons why I did Less Than Perfect, because I got to meet Andy Dick, and I love him so much. He calls me his little black angel. I've never prayed with somebody more. I've never laid in a bed and spooned somebody more. Probably never I'm prayed never- for somebody more than Andy Dick. <laughs> Andy Dick. That is the one girl I have literally, uh, oh, geez, that one right there. He would call me from rehab. I know he's high or drunk when he goes, Cherie, Cherie, oh. my little black angel. Then I go, Andy, where you at? I will go pick him up. I've taken Andy to church with me. Um it, it, you know, he's just such a part of my life. I've cried over him, but you are a patient yeah. person. That's what I'm getting. You're patient, you're kind, and uh, and I believe you have a line that can't be crossed. But I believe you're you will suffer fools just because you have a love for people. Like I do. I'm. I, I think I'm a lot less patient as I get older. Sure, but I still love people, and I still, I you know. I'm a big believer in God and I'm a big believer in people with their purpose. Andy Dick is just one of those people. I just believe I, I will be with him and he will be with me. Wow. To the day he's no longer here. You know, you're not anyone in Hollywood until Andy Dick has sexually harassed you coming out of a Norm's bathroom. In your mouth Oish. or sexually harassed He you got or- in my car one time and was like driving me to a bar. I'm like, I don't know you. And then we're like, he's like, can you buy me a drink? And I'm like, is this... You were Daphne Aguilera, and I'm 28, but you're in my car. Okay. Can I tell you, girl, when we did Less Than Perfect, we had to watch Andy because he had fallen off the wagon. And we didn't want the network, ABC, to know 
because we didn't want to get canceled. Like everybody, we were, we were like in our freaking second or third season and we wanted to keep working. So we did an intervention with Andy, so many things. Eric Roberts freaking took him, Julia's brother took him and threw him up against the wall. He was so frustrated. And so we had periods over the holiday where we each had to watch Andy. And so my, everybody went away for Thanksgiving. I had just done, um, semination, artificial insemination, you know, where they take the turkey baster and put the sperm up you. Yeah. So I was on the couch with my legs up in the air, trying to get the sperm to get meat with my egg. Cause I was trying to get pregnant with my husband and it was my turn to watch Andy. And he called me that night, Sheree, Sheree. And I said, Oh my God, I got to get to Andy. He used to live in West Hollywood. Now let me tell you something. Andy is really smart. He's freaking, he's got two kids who are like Mensa level intelligence. One day Andy likes boys. One day Andy wants to hump on some girl. I never know which is which. But he, I knew he was in trouble. I got up with my hand between my vagina, like my legs, because I need to keep the sperm in so I can be pregnant. I drive over to his place. He had a duplex. The door was open, girl. I was so scared because Andy is like the Pied Piper of boys. You don't never know what boy going to be at his place. Oh, yeah. So I go in and I said, I, what if there's somebody that came in as one of these E! True Hollywood stories and killed everybody? Yeah. I'm walking in. It's various things everywhere. There are boys lying everywhere, passed out in various states of undress. And I'm just like, and I go, Andy, Andy. And he was laying in bed butt naked. <laughs> butt naked from partying all night. And he wakes up. He had broken his collarbone the week before because he was high and he was jumping on the trampoline and oh somebody God. pulled the trampoline from under him and he broke his collarbone. And so he was all all bandaged up and he woke up and he said, Cherie, my little black angel is here. And do you know, I said, Andy, I'm supposed to be trying to get pregnant. And I laid down next to him and spooned with Andy Aww. and just nuzzled in his neck. And I said, Andy, I love you so much. I'm trying to get pregnant. Why are you doing this? <laughs> and we just we, we just lay down. That is That's- an insane. I like as I'm like, oh, I'm like, wait, this is the weirdest story. It's so Hollywood, and you're telling it with such love. You're like, and then the lamb laid down in the bo- <laughs> like as if it's normal. <laughs> I did, and I kept saying to Andy, I kept saying, baby, Andy, you're not dead because you haven't fulfilled your purpose. God's not done with you yet. And that's why you're not dead, baby. And he was just laying up in me. And he he goes, can you pray? And I prayed with him. And it was just like, you're not done, Andy. No. You know, when God say you're done, you're going to die. You, But you're not done. Right. So therefore, you have hope. That is very and- sweet. I, I would have lost my patience. I would not. I There's so many points in that story where I'm like, nope, you lost me. I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> And you're you're through all the way through, and you're like, and then we prayed. I'm like, I don't think I've ever gotten to that point with someone, but <laughs> bless you, Cherie Shepherd, the Black Angel. Uh, Dax is a name. Holy ball, Sherry freaking Shepherd on Ask Eliza Anything. The dream. I have a question about scheduling your life in the entertainment industry. Do you did you enjoy having the work life balance of the View, or did you prefer, prefer Jesus Eliza, or did you prefer hosting a game show more? How much does putting in time for those longer performing commitments leave you for the other domestic parts of your day? I can never tell if it was a physical slog to host a TV show every day versus other gigs. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, because I used to host the uh, newlywed game for four seasons. Wow, yeah. 
do that game. Um, and and I did it while I was doing the View. It, th- I'm going to tell you, girl, the View was one of the best experiences I ever had, and it was one of the most horrible experiences I ever had because Barbara Walters was such a perfectionist, and she was so hard on me. Mm. And um, I always say this: I will forever be grateful to Rosie O'Donnell. This is why I believe in telling other women who are trying to do the same thing you're doing what you are making, so that we can have some leverage. Everybody tries secretive. Rosie helped me um, um, negotiate my salary on The View. And had Rosie not emailed me and said, if you need any help, let me know. If she hadn't told me what she made and what the other co-hosts made, they were offering me less. And I love Elizabeth Hasselbeck. That's my girl. She was in my wedding. But they were offering me less than Lizzie. And I had more credits than Lizzie. And if I didn't know that, I would have taken that amount until Rosie came in and was like, "Uh, uh, uh, this is what you need to ask for." One of the examples I'll give: the View offered me ten thousand dollars to move my household, and I said, "I can't ten. It's so expensive in New York. Ten thousand dollars for for ten thousand for takeout food. Like, what's ten thousand dollars going to come? Get an apartment, just relocation fee. No, that's all they offered me. And Rosie said to me, "Uh, uh, you asked for a hundred thousand dollars because that's what they gave me." 10 and 100. You know how far away that is? 90,000. So uh, yes. I went and asked for 100,000 and they said, no, we can't give you that. So I said, Ro- and I, Rosie was helping me all the way. I said, Rosie, they said, no. They came at me like, bitch, who you think you are? Rosie O'Donnell? No. And Rosie said, okay, then you're fighting for custody of your son. Have them give you 10 first class tickets to fly back to L.A. So you can see your son. Wow. Have them give you an assistant. Have them give you other stuff that's going to equal a hundred thousand. They did that. I got eight or 10 first class tickets to fly back and forth. I got an assistant. They ended up giving me 85,000 to relocate. Wow. That's a big difference from 10. And when, when you're letting people know, even girl, look, I ain't got no Bobby pins in my wig. I had to pull my wig up. Oh, I don't even, I have four hairs in my head and that's why I'm wearing a baseball cap because I was like either, Girl, I, oh my God. I feel like putting one on. But <laughs> what I'm saying is Rosie, even my salary, Rosie helped my salary go up double, almost triple my salary because she was willing to be open and let me know what she was making. So when Cheryl Underwood did the talk, I let her know what I was making when when Lonnie Love did the real mm. the talk shows. I called her and told her because I, you need to have leverage. Jenny McCarthy, when she came in to co-host the View, they swore her to secrecy. So I told her once we I found out she had signed a contract. If you would have told me what you was making, I could have told you you could have got more. Wow! Because you would co-host that they were thinking about. They hadn't interviewed anybody else. So you had, I would have told you, you have so much leverage, Jenny, you could have negotiated more, but they put this fear over women. Like if I tell that I can't get it. Right. And it's like, no, we have to be in order for people to have leverage and that person to get there. And then you get there and you help somebody else get there. We got to be open with each other. But with all that said, the view was amazing because it made me step out of my comfort zone. I was used to getting on stage and making people laugh. And Barbara Walters made me learn how to talk to people and be curious about people Mm -hmm. and ask questions. As I said, I grew up a Jehovah's Witness. I'm very shy. I don't like confrontation. I don't like talking back to adults, all of that stuff. And here I am every day. It's confrontation at the Hot Topics table. It's telling Barbara 
and I'm not done talking, having to get past that woman. She was so hard on me. And so, and then I got Whoopi Goldberg on my right, who that's like my auntie right. in my head. Whoopi was really hard on me. So it, 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 the view helped me find my voice. Even when I started The View Lies, I used to go, hey, everybody, I'm Sherry Shepard. Take a little time to enjoy The View. I don't talk like that anymore. Right, right. Barbara Walters right. got that little thing out of me. It, she was like, what, why are you talking like that? I don't know. I thought I had to sound helpless. And she's like, well, you're not. Right. Ooh. Like, Ooh. Get a book and read it and learn about politics so you don't make the mistake saying you don't know if the earth is round or flat. She was on me. Wow. Like, Way to own it. Way to own it. Every day for three years, I cried because Barbara was so hard on me. But failure only helps you grow. Mm. Failure mm. helps you so that you know what mistakes not to make. And I failed all the time. And 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 Bill Maher said I should be fired with the stupid stick. And Bill O'Reilly said I was pinhead of the week. And Howard Stern talked about me and I cried. Wendy Williams said I could be replaced with a, a potato sack. But you know what all those failures did? It made me learn about politics, which I did. I never voted until Barack Obama, because Jehovah's Witnesses don't vote. And I learned to vote. I can talk politics with the best of them. Mm. I love politics. And that came from failing so much so that when Barbara Walters retired, she put her hand on my face and she said, I'm the most proudest of you Mm. because you learned, you did your homework, you asked the questions, you came in. And you came to play. And she gets in the elevator for the very last time. And I started crying. And so as the elevator's closed, she goes, what are you crying for, dear? <laughs> that's how Barbara was with me. What are you crying for, dear? Oh, my God. That's a, that does sound like her. That's a great impression. For dear. And, that was, and, and so as far as, as scheduling, you ask the question, people schedule stuff around me. I, uh, yeah. That's what I tried to tell Cristela Alonzo when they offered her a role in The View. They schedule stuff around you. And it gives you an incredible a credible platform to do the things that you really want to do, any causes that you have. So the uh, Tina Fey saw me on The View and she offered me this role as Angie Jordan and they would work around my schedule. And Lee Daniels saw me and he offered me Precious, that movie Precious with Monique and Gabby Sidibe. We know the movie. It's a, it is a, that is a rough hang, but a great movie. It was a great movie. So people would work around my schedule. The newlywed game, I would host, I would leave The View and go host the newlywed game. My show, Sherry, I would leave that and host it. Dancing with the Stars. I just flew back and forth from LA to New York. They make it work. They make it work for you. You're on The View. Well, I think you're on The View. You're on national TV on a major network. You know, I think a big part of like the heart of that question is, because we get a lot of this on the podcast, demands on women and the demand that you do it all. And I think a part of what you're saying is when you are in demand, people make it work. It's not people just begging for your time. Sherry, you have an agent, a manager and a network doing, they're all fitting because everybody wants you to make money so they can take a percentage of it. So they are going to make sure that they wedge in as much as possible if you're willing to work. And I, what I love about your, what, what you're saying about speaking up and educating yourself on whatever the topics are, you know, we love to see women fail and we love, and you're talking, you're naming a lot of male, uh, yak boxes that are just coming at you and shitting on you. And I think part of it is the satisfaction of shitting on a black woman. I think part of it is the satisfaction of just shitting on a woman. And I think part of it is how dare this person, you know, deign to be in our arena and, 
all the while knowing not everybody knows everything about everything. And yes, you're on TV, but you weren't hired to be a political consultant. And this is a show where women are supposed to just wax poetic and not giving women the chance to make mistakes. And here you are saying, okay, I made a mistake and I'm grown and I'm different and I'm still here versus shrinking away. And I think it, that's powerful. Um, it is. And it was like, I, I came on to be funny. I was supposed to be the comedic voice, which I got to be. Sure. But Barbara looked at me and she was like, no, you're going to learn something. You're going to ask some questions. I do want to say the thing about people making it work, Eliza, is also you still have to be intentional about what is your priority. Mm. Because I don't, for me, I don't think, you know, that saying that we can have it all I believe something is going to suffer. And so you have to know what is your priority. Um, someone once said to me, you'll have a lot of spinning plates, but don't make your kids one of them. So for, there are things you do have to say no to. I have to say no to many things because Jeffrey is my priority. And some things people won't make work. Uh, I, they've offered me things and I go, I was on this show called Soul Man with Cedric the Entertainer mm-hmm. and Nisi Nash. And for the first season, I flew out on a Friday, did the table read, shot the show and flew right back. So I wasn't there for any of the rehearsals. And the second season, they asked me back to be a series regular. And I said, Cedric, I like I got Jeffrey. He's got his developmental delays. He's in New York. It's it's taking a toll. And can I keep the same schedule? And he said, no, you got to be here every day. It's not fair to the other cast members. That was a series regular role, girl. Yeah. That was money. I needed that. I was in the middle of a very nasty divorce. And I had to say, well, then I can't do it. Right. I've had to say no to things that don't work because my biggest reason why I do what I do is this kid right over here. Right. And I don't want him to have the memory of my mother was never there. I, you know, as a woman with children, I don't get to go out and do stand up like, do, you know, Dane Cook. It'd be a <laughs> like, like me. <laughs> You, you yeah. know, but when you have yours, then you'll know. Right. It's like, it, I'm a single mom and I got a son. So I can go out maybe once or twice a month. That's it. I can't be on the road, you know, all, and, and I had to turn down a lot of gigs, especially being on The View. And it was a lot of money that was flowing through my hands because I went, I'll never see my son. And I don't want him to be looking at me going, you were never there when I needed you. So I always had to know. It'll come back around because my first assignment in life is being a mother. So I think right. you also know what's your priorities. I think that that's so true. I think women feel this guilt, but I bet, you know, of course you'd want that money. But when you love someone, like you love your son more than anything, you're like, it's easy. Of course it's him. And I, it's not like when you're, I think people compare it to like, let's say you don't have kids, just being pulled in a lot of directions and not wanting to disappoint anyone. I guarantee Cedric the Entertainer respected your reason and he still loves you, you know? Absolutely. So, and I, I bet you never think about it in a heartbeat and make the same decision, you know? And so I think yeah. you're totally right about I the love, priorities. Uh, yeah. I, my show Trial and Error, it was the first season was with John Lithgow. Like I got to work with John Lithgow. Uh, yeah. The second season was with Kristen Chenoweth. And this show was like so beautifully written. And I think had we done a third season, I literally think my character would have been nominated for an Emmy. It was so brilliantly written. Yeah. But I chose to leave it because I was shooting in Canada and I called the executive producers and I said, I, the artistic way you're getting me is so fulfilling to me, but I never see my son and I can't keep working in Canada. And they said to me, they said, you'll never have another role this brilliant. And I cried and I said, probably not. 
That, that's but all you can son, say. But it's your son. Yeah. My son will never have another mother. At the, you know, and, and what he's going through. I was flying home, doing a birthday party and flying right back to Canada. And I left. And you have to know the things that you give up for the, the ones that you love. It comes back around. Mm-hmm. Not even three weeks later, I got the letter from the, the Iglesias people going, right. love to have you. It, it was right around the corner from me. I could take my son to school, go do Iglesias and get back home at a decent hour. It was the right gig for you. It was the right gig. I wasn't working 17, 18 hours. It shouldn't, before. you know, some, you've got to work super hard in this career, but at a certain point, it should get easier. And by easier, you know, when we go out to directors for projects or actors for stuff and they're not available, there's, when you weren't available for that, but you were available for something else, meaning like you're in demand. So if it's not that, it'll be something else. And it should be easier. The, the only benefit to getting older and becoming more successful is that it should get a little easier. You're not auditioning for these gigs. They're calling you. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I think you've got, like people know your reputation. Like I, I wasn't, I didn't know what Rick and Morty was. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> I, I, they called me out. It was one of those things where I had left trial and error and I was like, oh God, how am I going to make this work? And then they called and they were like, you know, they want to use you for the role of secretary of Rick and Morty. I was like, Rick and who? <laughs> um, and and I, I went and did like three of those episodes. So it's like, you have to trust and know whatever that uniqueness is that you got, it's going to make a way for you. You hear At that, this point, folks? You hear that? Good. Yeah, I mean, it will. It will. You, you just got to, that's the faith part of this business where you can't be just going with the wind of trying to be what you think everybody wants you to be. No, you got to center yourself. So, um, at this point in the game, I think people know me and they know what they're getting when they hire me. And, um, yeah. Yeah. What do you do to center yourself? I get asked this question a lot and I don't know that I have the best answer and everybody's is different. You know, how do you, how are you a centered person? What do you do? What do you do to relax, recoup? Like, what makes Sherry Shepard a centered person? I think you got to have your girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in you got to have your girls. I don't, I don't, when women say to me, ooh, I, I, I don't, girls are treacherous and they betray you and they do, that makes me real leery. No. Because that's, women, no. you got to have your sister friends because when you go through stuff, you need that one sister friend that's going to check you. You need that one that you can cry on her shoulder. You need that one that goes, I will get in the car with you right now. Let's go over to his house <laughs> and wait for him to come out. Wait for the bitch to come out. We're going to kick his ass. You need those women who can commiserate with you, who can push you and go, I know you wanted that audition, but it will work out. Yes. You, do you promise it will work out? I got an email from Joan Rivers two weeks before she died. And when I was released from The View, she wrote me an email and she said, Sherry, you're going to be fine. And I said, Joan, do you promise? And she said, listen to me. Funny girls will always work. Oh my God. I got goosebumps. Be- she said, that's what she said. Funny girls, Funny girls will, will always, always work. work. I think about that the, as the older I get, you know, and of course, you know, I was never going to be like a centerfold or a sex symbol, but ugly, like, looks fade. Funny is forever. And it only gets Funny. better. Do you really want to be like a sex yes, pot? Yes, yes, yes. That's so funny in your life because somebody <laughs> asked me that and I was like, I, I just would like to see what it's like. Just for a little, <laughs> just to be super hot, just for like a minute. Uh, 
Funny only gets better. When you have to work all your life for your stuff. I said, I just want to know what it feels like that somebody just gives you a Ferrari just because your eyes look beautiful. But you know what? What? You know that girl got a Ferrari because some chic took a dump on her on a private plane to Dubai. So there's whatever. That's what I console myself with. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm so, you know, Joy Behar, hell, started doing stand-up at 43, Mm. I think. It's like funny. Our funny will never, it, our funny will always be bringing us some money. And people if listen to you more the older you get. I don't, nobody, the fact that people listen to me in my early 20s is incredible, but I don't want to hear about politics from a 22 year old with a microphone. I do want to hear about it from someone who's lived a little. So, one of the only benefits of getting older is that uh, there's some substance to your point of view because it's a life lived. It is. It, there's so much substance to it. It's just like, I think the only thing that the con for me, you're married already. It's harder for me in the men department mm. because I am so opinionated and I'm not 20. So you're not going to come up in here and, tr- and tell me about a bunch of stuff. Because if you talk about Rome, I've been there. I've been to Rome. To all- Sherry Shepard has been, been to Rome. Rome. Don't I've fuck been with me. Greece. I've been to, and I I can add to this conversation, but what I'm not gonna be is one of them girls going, "Oh my God, that's so that's so beautiful." You're not gonna be a toddler. That? <laughs> sometimes beautiful. that's what they like, girl. No, I saw Chloe Kardashian used to watch her show with with um was it Lamar Odom? Who was she? With? Yes, that is exactly Lamar. who she was with. And she would baby talk to him, and he responded. She was like, "All right, yeah, what? Uh, yeah." And I, I was like, well, if that's what you're supposed to be doing, well, damn it. Is that, do you baby talk to your husband? Uh, it's not baby talk. It's, um, it's a lot of weird voices, but it's less about being sexual and more about like me violently grabbing my dog and being like, she's just baby. She's just baby girl. Like the, my uh, neck vein pops out. My eye bulges out. It's not hot. It's just something that I, I need to do. So I don't think anyone's turned on. <laughs> I never go up to him and I'm like, oh, just baby warns. Oh God, I can't even do it. You can't even do it. It's so upsetting. It undermines every book I've ever read. Like I feel, I also think, can I say this? And this is not for or against a Kardashian, whatever. <laughs> the taller, this is a theory I have. The taller you are as a woman, the deeper your voice. So that's why Khloe Kardashian probably sounds like this. And I think she yeah. goes higher to make it because she feels society doesn't allow for women to be bigger or tall. You've never met a tall woman with a tiny voice. It, their vocal cords, it doesn't stretch that way. That's my theory. I remember I read somewhere when I was taking the bus, sitting at the bus stop one night, it was in, in Harper's Bazaar or something. And it was like... If you make yourself sound helpless with a high voice, oh yes, I used to practice that. I would practice that getting on stage mm. and bomb all the time with this oh. high voice because it wasn't me. And I'd be like, "Hey, everybody! Hi, is everybody doing that in a black club, girl?" No, but I got had so daggone much, and it was only when I learned Cheryl Underwood was like, "You better cut that bullshit out right there." Well, she doesn't and, do high voice. She doesn't. She don't do high voice no. at all. And so I literally had to stand in front of the mirror and go you know, deepen my voice and deepen my voice so I could get on stage and get the respect of the other comics. <laughs> Can we, there's two things. I, I've talked about this on stage, just the whole helplessness and how attractive that is to men, to some men. Uh, yeah. But I did a gig, this is, you want to talk about black clubs? Because I started, I would open for black comics when I 
first started, I won the MySpace So You Think You're Funny contest. And my prize was that I got to open for a little, uh, I was going to say a little comic he's not, named Bruce Bruce. That was, he will not remember. He doesn't know, but that was my prize. And I opened for Mark Curry. And like, I would go, and you know the comedy union, right? Yes. Of course. I did one show there. And my shtick was, I would come on stage and I would go, how are you guys doing? And then I'd be like, are you guys having fun? And they would look at me and I'd be like, I'm just kidding. That's not my voice. And they would laugh. And I remember doing it in this black club and I was like, someone's going to hit me. <laughs> like, it's just a joke. And the, when I got to break and be like, I'm just fucking with you guys, the relief over the crowd, like, okay, <laughs> we don't have to murder this girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, guys. I remember when Paris Hilton would come on The View in Hot Topics, in our Hot Topics room where we pick Hot Topics, she was co-hosting with us. She was a guest co-host. Her voice is as deep as you and me. Yes, because she's tall and she has a naturally, it's like this. Yep. Girl, it was so deep. And then she got to that table and there was this kind of thing. In that. And I looked at her and I said, what the hell just happened? What happened it to you? It was crazy. Yeah. Janet Jackson, same thing. You know, she's got that, they all got that breathy. The Jacksons, they got that breathy thing. There's but also then, something to the tiny voice. There is a power. I will say this. Uh, Kim Kardashian has this because I watched her David Letterman and I was like, I really like her. There is a power to tiny voice and saying less. You and I are comics. So we're going to want to equip it. We're going to want to explain and elaborate. There is a power to being like, that's hot. And like, you don't explain yourself. And it's like, oh, I guess that is hot. So I wish I could just drop in like a dew drop of like fire and just be done. Not that's it. Fire. Hey, everybody. And then nothing. I get, it's too much that wants to spew out of my mouth to go to where I'm going to pick up my phone. I, for me to just do one word, Eliza, and that's no. it. I can't I, do I, one I, word. Actually, so we have a segment. Um, do, you, do you know about this, the top of the cob, the segment that we do at the end? Oh. Okay. All we got to talk about, like... I want to come back on so we can talk about some stuff. Well, let's talk about, you know what? We don't have to do it yet. We can, I can answer some more questions. Uh, here's what we'll do. No, like we're talking about, like. Talk, let's do know, it. Like just interesting stuff. Like we, uh, and we did, and, and that one I don't mind talking about because you were so comfortable talking when we talked about men in the comedy world. Yeah, let's talk about and, it. Um, and, uh, and doing that. I th it was funny because when I met you, um, it was very easy to talk to you. Thank you. It really was. Thank you. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that because you and I come, we're, we're very different. We come from different stand-up backgrounds, different backgrounds. And I was just like, I'm a big believer in just talking to people and talking to people in like a comfortable way. And I always believe in complimenting where it is. And I think I walked up to you and I was like, why is nobody talking about how long you've been working in comedy? Like, I, I may have been a little aggressive when I came up to you <laughs> because I just, there, it's always this focus on like newness and who's hot and who's new. And it's like, it's people don't take a, step, uh, a second and say, well, what about, look at this, look at this body of work. Look at all of these shows working consistently that you've been a part of. And I, I, I grew up watching black sitcoms, like a lot of Jewish girls. And, uh, you know, you and I started talking about this, this sort of legacy of, you know, we tend to only talk about one or two black women, you know, maybe it was a 70s sitcom or whatever. And there is a legacy of funny black women consistently working on network television that for some reason isn't a part of the greater conversation. 
So yeah, I don't think that they're due. I don't. Um, and you did, you were very encouraging because I said I was mulling around the idea in my mind of doing a documentary about yes. Black female comics that have, you know, really paved the way for us. You know, like a Marsha Warfield who mm-hmm. is you know, getting back into stand up. She's out and she's living proud and, you know, but she definitely paved a way for us. And a Shirley Hemphill who was on What's Happening. What's Happening, yeah. She's happening. on the Comedy Store wall. She's on the Comedy Store wall. That Are you on the Comedy Store wall? Yes, in the back. Where, where's your name at? Okay, Sherry, I appreciate that yours is like in the front. But... No, because I'm going to look for it. I'm going to, I want to look, because I want to look not, for it. I'm going to be excited. You're not going to see it. Uh, okay. Here's the story of my name. First of all, they do this thing where it's like someone becomes a regular yesterday and then they put them right in the front. I have been there almost every night of my life for the better part of a decade. And when it was names night, I wasn't there, but they put my name, you know, in the back where you can walk in to get to the um, to the right, original room. Right. The yes. closest name to the men's room. And it was so close. When you opened the door, it covered half my name. And I called up, I think it was Tommy at the time. I go, you gotta be kidding me. I've given, I am, I, I'm a working comic. I'm one of the only women here. You put me by the fucking men's room. They covered it, wedged it in. So it's like me, uh, I feel like Natasha. There's like a chunk of headliners that were like wedged in. And it's it's so on brand for the store. Like they, if they kiss you, they gotta slap you. <laughs> it never feels great, <laughs> but that's that's our family. That's where mine is in the I'm back. Gonna go, okay, well, when they open back up, I'm gonna go look for it. Okay, okay. <laughs> you can, where's your picture? Mine, my picture was when you walk up the stairs to pay. Yes, with the OR room. It was yes. right on the floor. So is mine. Was yours? Yeah, mine was right on the floor, and it looked like somebody had spilled like a red wine on half of my face. I looked like I got a big ass red birthmark. Why is it like the picture got something happened to it, or it got wet, or something like that? Oh god, it's like kind of disgusting, gross, and it's not even there anymore. I can't find my picture anywhere, and I'm like, where's my picture? Oh, that's (laughs) gone. So the store. They still have my name uh, above the main room, which I'm really happy because I get to see my name. Hurt my feelings, though, because I know they had the whole documentary about the comedy store, and I felt the same way. Like, I auditioned so many times for Mitzi to be a regular there, and I was there every single night, and I, I played that game and was, you know, had to, there was one, who was there? There was one guy who used to park cars, and he wears shorts. And his friggin' penis would be so light. He wouldn't wear underwear. He's definitely something. white because the shorts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, and the yeah. penis. Yeah, he had on shorts and penis. He hung out with Joe Rogan a lot. I don't remember his name, though. Um, okay. And all, you have to see all of this. And the and I go, I wasn't even invited to do be a part of the documentary for the comedy store. And it meant so much to me. Oh, that's, I was- that's a shame. And I say oh. that... I, you know, I'm in that documentary. I know that Whitney Cummings is also in it. I don't know if there's like a ton of women in it. I, I know that it is very the store to just forget chunks of people. Um, I always get like, sometimes when I drive by and I see like they're doing something like, you know, like a charity event. I'm like, why wasn't I called? But that is so, the comedy, this comedy store is your, whether you have experienced this or not, I'm speculating this is what it's like. The comedy store is your abusive alcoholic father and or boyfriend. You're like, I love you so much, but you keep hurting me, but I can't stay away I can't from you. I face all the time and I cannot stay 
away from me. Love you. I remember she didn't even, and she tells the story. I remember Whitney Cummings was up there and she was bombing, but she was talking about her boyfriend. And I remember telling her, keep, keep talking about it. Cause it's like, it's your truth and it's going to be funny. And I didn't even realize. And she was like, that meant so much to me to have another female come up to me and say, Hey, like to keep us separate just for women in general. You know, I, I got this, I got this DM the other day. So my fourth Netflix special is called Elder Millennial. And it's a term I made up. And it's a term for millennials who are a little bit older. And people use it in the way that people use humble brag. Like, yeah, we all know who came up with that. You can't credit someone if I'm like, what's that? I never say Budweiser frogs. Like you make up a term, it goes in the whatever. And this comic, I had to think about this. And I was like, who cares? This comic from a state I've never played, from a club I've never played, sent me a screen grab of a girl who's a comic. And she was like, come on out to see me. Like, she's she's just a comic. You never heard of her. Come on out to see me for like a good, funny, live out, laugh out loud, elder millennial time. And he was like, you know, I'm just letting you know that she did this. And I just wrote, she's fine. It's weird to me that you're trying to pit me against this poor girl who just used a term. She's not going to steal my career or my right. jokes. And I didn't say anything to him, but I wanted to be like, I think it's fucking weird that you're trying to get me to wreck her. They're always trying to pit us against each other. I think men are much more territorial. Mm. I I do. I think Mm -hmm. because I remember there was a comic that was doing a joke. I used to have a joke uh, that I did when I first started. And I said I was dating a, a Nigerian guy. And on Valentine's Day, he didn't get me anything. And I said why didn't you give me any roses? And he said, well, I was going to get you some roses, but before I could, the light turned green. And it was, um, <laughs> it was like one of my first jokes. And I remember I saw a girl at the laugh factory do like the joke the exact same way. And I, and I went up to her and I said, you know, this is a joke that I've been doing. And she was like, oh, okay. And I mean, it just was kind of settled. You know, I'm seeing girls do jokes and they were like, well, you know, I, you know, I came up with it. Yeah, but I came up with it too. And she'd go, well, I'll do it. If we're together, we just got to figure out who's going to do it first and then the other one won't do it. It's all, it always seems to be women. We are able to work it out. I've never had the, that, uh, territory thing. I definitely have had it with guys and I definitely know when I see a guy do a joke, I'm like, that's funny. Cause I was doing that in the OR for a couple months and it's odd to me that you have it, but you know what? That's also a big part of the reason I don't watch a ton of stand-up because I don't want to accidentally yeah. leak into it and whatever. But um, there's so... F- Look, I am not here for like, kumbaya, sisters. Even if she sucks, put her up. But I am here to, as a true feminist, always defend what's right, whether that is standing up for a girl who doesn't have the agency or platform. Um, and also making sure that we're not steamrolling. I did a show once and this guy had been accused of rape and I point blank walked up. I go, did you rape that girl? And he explained himself. He was like, I didn't, this person hates me. It's her and her boyfriend. And he was right. And I don't ever want to be the person that's just, you know, cutting off dicks left and right. I try to walk that line of like, just trying to be fair. And when the more women that realize like they try to keep us separate, they try to pit us against each other and they try to act like, there isn't enough room. If there was another fucking brilliant girl in the lineup, I would be down. I'd be like, great, and we'll be buddies. And there's just so few of us that you don't really get those chances. And I think with younger comics, there's more because of women like you or me or people that have come before us, we've paved that way a little bit. 
And so it's it's easy to demand it now, but it's like, there just aren't that many women that do it at every level. Well, I think that's why it's so important for women who are starting out in anything to find other women to connect with. Mm-hmm. I think, I remember watching, because uh, it just got a lot of hits, when Joe Rogan did an episode with Joey, Joey Diaz. And he was talking about the fact that um, there was a girl at the comedy store that he used to, right. you know, like just do the most horrible things to and 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 the way he treated her and how she left town. I don't know if this was true or not because I never saw this happen. But I do know that it broke my heart because I said right. there was a girl, if this is true, who had dreams of being a stand-up. Yes. Who had to leave the business because of the way she was treated by a man. And um, it could have been much different for her. And I wish that maybe mm-hmm. I had known that girl because that kind yes. of shit didn't happen to me. Because as I got oh, when I was younger, yeah. Yeah. When I was younger, it happened to me all the time. Um, and I wish I could have guided her, someone like mm-hmm. her, a little bit where she could have had a, another woman to come to. And say this guy's yeah. doing this, and he's saying I can only get stage time if I suck his dick and da da da. But I, when oh I God. heard that story, it broke my heart because it made me think of me as a young comic, absolutely and getting taken advantage of by men. And I just, you know, I thought it was so disgusting that he was saying it with such, you know, this bravado, this male kind of. <sighs> Thing. And I just said, gosh, so I like it when girl, the young ones come up to me because I always tell them, don't be sleeping with these damn comics. Don't sleep with the comics. I love, it's not even so much about protecting as much as saying to another girl like, hey, fuck what that guy thinks. You're fine. They're going to try to shake it out of you, you know? Uh, to the women, by the way, just, and I do love Joey Diaz and whether that story is true or not, who knows? But I will say this. Show me one, and I, I had said, I've said this to Joe Rogan, like I've had, like talked to a lot of male comics and they all agree. Show me the one woman who successfully fucked her way to the top in stand-up. It has never happened. So I think it's an urban legend, but also, and this has nothing to do with that girl. If you are of the mindset, if I sleep with this guy, I'll get ahead. You're a fucking idiot because it doesn't work. It's not a business model. So don't put it out there. And if they request it, fucking put that guy in his place or come get one of us. But I think that, I, will put no, that I think Eliza, that you have some girls who come here and like, they don't have that mindset. I think some girls come to this town and they're so, they, they don't know. Like I, it, and I said it because I was one of those girls. I wasn't one of those girls that was like, you, you know, who could say, fuck you. And, 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 and don't come and be like that. I had to learn that. I, that As did I, I'm saying this now. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that there's some girls that come here and they just don't know. And, you know, you and know. you got these guys coming in your face. And one thing when you're, you're a new comic in the business, everybody's circling around you like sharks. Like sharks, right. and they want to get with you. And um, sometimes it can be a little heady. For me, I came from a very strict religious family, so when a guy said he liked me, I'm like, "Oh my god, you do, you do, oh, you, uh, uh. you know." I used to have a guy introduce right. me um, on stage, and he was like, "This is my next future wife, so don't heckle her." It was a protective oh. thing because I was always getting heckled, so I was drawn to him because he protected. 
Right. Even when I was on stage, I got, uh, there used to be a comic named Ricky Harris. Um, he was out of Long Beach or Compton. And I remember um, he had a funeral. He used to do a lot of stuff with Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. And he had a funeral and people got into a fight at the funeral. And I periscoped it because I got, I was I, I, it just, it threw me. Periscope. Bunch of comments. You remember yeah. Periscope? Yeah. And I periscoped it and somebody told the family that I sold the footage. It was just a big mess, a big mess. But they had a charity event to raise money for this comic. And I went on stage and I was confronted by a few people who were very angry with me because they thought I sold footage to his funeral and got confronted on stage. Like a man walked on stage in my face. It was, wow. it was really, it was very scary. And another comic jumped on stage and protected me and made him get off and cursed out the guy and, you know, was like, you are going to give her respect. You are going to, you know, I demand it. And there's something about, oh my gosh, thank you. So I think that some girls come and they got the bright eyes and the bright lights of the city and they don't know, they don't know how to say no. That's what it is. They don't know. Look, I'm saying this now as a successful comic and having this agency. And I also have always been like fairly confident, but I will say, you know, the first, like what, also sometimes when those things happen, you're just like, what just happened? You know, I have definitely borne the brunt of just really mean men. And, and in some cases, women where it's always from a place of insecurity, they feel threatened. Um, and the hitting, I mean, I became a headliner so, so quickly for better or for worse So that was, the power struggle wasn't as there, but there is this expectation um, that you somehow owe them something or that you'll do something. And, you know, I didn't have any women to look up to. I didn't know, nobody was, not so much not friendly. I just, Eleanor Kerrigan was always nice. Jody Miller was always nice. But when you're really, when you're on the road, like you're by yourself. So you're piecing it together. And so- we're living in a different time now where the pendulum has kind of swung the other way and we are draining the swamp a bit in terms of this predatory behavior um, in stand-up. But you you can go up you can go, t- go up to a girl who's more successful than you and be like, hey, can I get your advice? I'm probably not going to go to the mat for some like hearsay thing, but you should know outside of your comedy circle, that guy has no power. So right. go book your own show. Right. Go write your own shit. Absolutely. Don't give him enough power. Guarantee that guy won't be working in five years. All the guys that harassed women deeply at the store when I started and probably when you'd been there for a while, they don't work anymore. Nobody knows who they are or they're dead. Either way, I don't care. (laughs) Girl, I'm going to tell you. That's why I tell women you have to, you know, uh, find women that can be mentors. Yeah. You know, that you can Even just so you know you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. So you can go, is this, is, this I, the, is this what they normally do? No, they don't normally do this. I remember, girl, one time I was at a comedy competition in Oakland, California. And there was a girl, a com- female comic. She's since passed away. Her name was Yvette Wilson. And she used to be on Monique, the comic. Monique had her own show, mm-hmm. The Parkers. And she used to be on that show. And uh, um, Brandy sitcom. And I remember being there and a comic set me up because that's when Def Jam was out and this comic did not like me. And so I didn't do well at the competition. So I was already depressed, really depressed. My girlfriend did well, she advanced. The comic who didn't like me came up to me and he said, the the head booker for Def Jam is here and he loved you. And I was like, really? Oh my God, are you serious? And he said, yeah. And he's in there having a party 
tonight and he wants you to come. I'm so naive. I don't, I ne- I don't go to parties. And my family was very religiously strict. So I'm naive. And I go, oh, he's having a party. And he goes, yeah. And he said, go up and, and he's right there. And he said, go give him a kiss on the cheek and tell him you'll see him tonight. Now, Eliza, at this age, I'd be like, oh, I'm not giving him a kiss on the cheek. Right. Well, I got to give him a kiss on the cheek. She wants me to come to a party. And what party is it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> back then in my 20s, in my early 20s, I was like, okay. I walked up to this guy who was affiliated with Def Jam. He was a big executive. He was talking to a girl. I grabbed his arm. I leaned up on my tippy toes because I'm all of 5'1". And I kissed him on the cheek. And I said, I'll see you tonight. High voice. And he goes, what? And I go, I'll see you tonight. And he goes, oh, all right. Okay. All right. And I go to my girlfriend who was with me. We pretty much had thumbed a ride up to this comedy competition in Oakland. That's how much we wanted to be in it. We got there, a bunch of comics. And this was before they had doggone pagers. So you you had pay phones. So we only had enough wow. money. We were staying with her sister the night and we were going to try and get a ride home back with some comics back to LA from Oakland. So we call, used our last money, put it in the payphone, called the sister and said, we're going to a party. We were so excited because we're two nerds. We said, we're going to a party. She, by the way, is a publicist for ABC Family. Um, we said, we're going to a party and one of the comics will get us back home. That's all the money we had. We had no more money. And wow. we hadn't eaten or anything. We had enough to get on stage. And so as we were about to go ride with the comic who hated me, who I thought, oh, now he, he's trying to be friendly. And the guy from Def Jam, Yvette Wilson, who has passed since passed away, she said, where are you going? And I go, we're going to the party for Def Jam. Are you going? And she goes, what party? And I said, they're having a party. And she said, Cherry, the only party they are having is in their hotel room. And Eliza, I remember uh, going to my girlfriend and I said, why would he do that? Like, why would he, why would he do that? I, I'm not causing anybody any trouble. I just do my standup. And I thought about it. Mm -hmm. I thought about it. And I said, had anything happened? And that's why I think God protects the babies and the fools. Cause I was such a fool. Had anything happened, (laughs) I would have gone with these two men. Now, the one guy already said, I'm going to see you tonight. So he would have been like, well, she was trying. She came to kiss me, for God's sake. Right. She was, yeah. So she came on to me. We would have gotten to this hotel room. It had been us two nerds who were dumb as all get up and two men. And anything, we didn't have any money. Anything could have happened. And I said to myself, this was a man who was very revered. He had a name. So in the comic was hot. Yeah. It was really hot at the time. Who's going to believe a girl who's not that funny, who's new to the business? Who said, I'll see you tonight. Who, said, who tonight. asked for it. Right. She didn't right. ask Oof. for it. I'd have been sitting there going, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know. You didn't know that going. Right. I didn't. I just was naive. Right. I just wanted to get on stage. The only joy I got was to get on stage because I had a sister who was on drugs. And a mom who was going to the hospital all the time because she was diabetic and wasn't taking care of herself. And this was my only escape. And I was a nerd. And I just was dumb to the ways of the world. And I thank God that I that he protected me from being in this situation. We had to freaking ask a comic if he could give us a ride home. I think I had to get a comic a damn kiss just to get 
get to her <laughs> out, even still, you know? And so I do feel for women. Sometimes they just, I didn't have it. Yeah. I got it now. Cause it was a lot of that. Sure. Now. Happening. So I'm very confident. Now that no one's asking for a kiss. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nobody asking for a kiss. Now I'm doing a casting cast. You want to get on the show with me? <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> but I do, I do know this is a business. Hollywood is not kind and you have to have no people who are mentors or allies. You can't be out here by yourself trying to do this thing because it's too much pulling at you. You got to align yourself with some people. I think that story that you just told, I think a lot of women will resonate with that regardless of their industry. And I don't think there's, you know, it sucks because there's always that thing where you look at women and you're like, you didn't know, but I always think about just, I, I I get that. I feel that story. Like as you're talking about it, like I started to get like a little emotional because I think of all the little bumps and whether it's me getting sued for doing a show or getting a stalker or somebody saying horrible. And my dad the other day was just like, all because you want to make people laugh. Like that's all we're trying to do. And the amount you show up to Hollywood with this shiny pink soul and then someone says something and some guy takes out his bullshit on you or some woman hates where she is and like people just start to chip away and you're like, I'm not hurting anyone. Why is everyone so horrible? So you have to find your your people. Even if you hook up with people on your level, like, cause like you said, you can, I'm not taking in everybody. You know, I can't. I'm stray cats. Sherry yeah, Shepherd's home for stray yeah, you cats. Can't just, we we ain't gonna be going out and you call me every five hours and all of that. I will give you advice and help you um yeah. you know if if I have time, but find your peers. You know, you're stronger with somebody. Yeah. Find that group. So because the women that I know who are comics, they I they, we go back like 20 years. We've known each other for right. so long. So, um, you know, you find people that, that can go with you to the clubs that you can write with. So you don't feel by yourself. And you have some, you have the strength in numbers. It's not, it's not, not everyone's getting raped. It's not about that. It's about a sounding board. Like, no, that, this is funny. We wrote this, like, we're like, make your own group versus trying to get into a guy club. Cause it's just do your, make your own light. Make your own show, book your own shit, focus on, don't hang out, just do your shit and go. That's what I've always done. I, mean, always I have no friends, but that's I okay. know when I did, uh, when I moved to New York, I didn't do stand up as much because it was, it was another click that I had to, Oof. it was hard in New York for me because pe- you had to prove yourself. You know, they knew me from the view. So I remember when I did the seller and all of these, nobody talked to me. Like I came in by myself. Sat there, they had- They the- still don't. Girl, it was such <laughs> a- table. Like, you, you don't know how to navigate. The, the whole New York scene was different. They all sat at a table. That was before uh, she had, the, you know, three locations. It was one cellar. And still all- the table, yeah. They all sat at the table and I was not welcome at all. And I just felt so alone. And uh, when I got on stage, I saw my looking at me. It was only when they saw I was killing that then they were very, they were much more open to me. They were much more, I think- Sure. The night, and then Amy Schumer sent me a text. She got my email from somebody and she was like, you were really funny. And it's like, you got to crack this code. Gina Yashir um, um, emailed me. So it was just, but I remember going to these clubs, stand up in New York and I was going by myself and I said, gosh, and I didn't know the men. So the men were like, you know, let me get that number. Let me, we can write together. And I'm like, uh-uh, mm-mm. 
And I just and I right wish there was another woman. And then I met Michelle Boutet. Um, she's in New York. She's a lot of hair. A lot of hair. Yeah, I know she is. Sure. <laughs> and I met Michelle and we, you know, she would tell me all the clubs and I would meet her and we would go and then we would go grab something to eat and kind of go over each other's material. Um, she was at the club. Uh, they in, they announced my name and I walked, slipped and fell, hit the back of my head, Oy. peed on myself a little. And <gasps> oh, my God, it just, it, it's just the worst it, thing I've ever. That's worse than your Oakland story. This <laughs> is horrible. Like I had a ponytail and it kind of came off and I was like, oh, my God. <sighs> but I still got to get on stage and make them laugh. And when we went out afterwards, I was able to laugh with somebody because I wanted to cry. Yeah, and I was able to, and she was able to make me laugh, and it was just like I got to bond with a yeah. woman. That's what that did for me. And it wasn't—I wasn't even thinking nobody was going to rape me. It was just the fact that it was somebody of a like no. mind who wanted the same thing yes. that I wanted. We just wanted to make people laugh, and we connected. It's there's this weird. And I can't say I'm not victim to it. There's this weird invisible cloak where it's like, oh, that's your competition. But when you talk to other women, like, it's fine. I've never had a woman in comedy, at, in stand-up, like, just be a bitch. Even if there's one that like, maybe I don't think, I don't respect her comedy that much or whatever, there's no personal, mm-hmm. you always have a nice conversation. I... I one of the only women in comedy who's ever reached out and we became very good friends, Angela Johnson. And she and I, we are not the same. We are not, we don't have the same background. We're both into very different things, but she's one of the other few women who tours as heavily as I do. And she reached out and I was like, oh, there's another, like this, this like, oh my God, you do the same thing I do. And I learned how to tour better because of her. And I wish I had opened myself up to that sooner. I met Angela the very same way. I sent her an email. Because I saw she was in yeah, New York. And I said, gosh, could we have lunch together? And we had the best freaking two and a half hour lunch. And I was like, I so admire you because you tour so much. How do I do that? How? And after she explained, I was like, ooh, girl, that's too much damn work. Oh, my God. <laughs> Angela was here owning multi-million dollar houses before any of us were doing anything. Okay. So shout out to Angela Johnson. Okay. amazing. Uh, she's amazing. Let's do top and the bottom of the okay. cob. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right. Every day, you just take a bite, top of the cob. It's the top of the cob, we're doing it right. Every day, I forgot the words, the other thing, doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, did you hear that? It was so on soft. I loved it. And if I could license that from you, if we could use that clip, if I could get your permission. Use it because that's so not me. I'm going to be like, this is what years in Hollywood will do to a woman. Look at what she sounds like now. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, Smee. Um, My top of the cob is since Corona has started in quarantine, I have enjoyed that there is less laundry because I wear more. I already wore like the same t-shirt for days in a row, but there's less laundry because I'm wearing the same clothes for longer periods of time. And I like that wasting less water. Um, I, my top of the cop is throughout this quarantine, I have learned so much about myself in that I'm really good being alone. It has pushed me Ooh. to be more creative, to write more, to write films, to write out my ideas. So I love that in, this, in the terms of self-growth, 
that I've had to experience in this forced time of being alone. I love that. I vibe with that. My bottom of the cob is, um, the hell did I write here? Doesn't know. Oh, we have a fox coyote issue in my backyard and my dog can't go outside now. And I think she thinks it's because she's a bad girl or in trouble and she doesn't know that it's because it's not safe for her. And I wish there were a way to communicate to her that she's sweet baby girl and she's done nothing wrong. I just don't want her to die. It breaks my heart. Gotcha. My bottom of the cob. My bottom of the cob, I'm horny. I'm really horny. <laughs> I am okay being alone, but I'm lonely. I'm so touch starved that the guy who came to fix the plumbing, I asked him for a hug. Yeah, I need, I just said, can you just tell me everything's going to be all right? Um, the fact that he didn't speak any English, I think it was a cross between <laughs> Serbian and I don't even know what the language from Poland is, but I think that he <laughs> hugged me and that, that smell of like dank, rank, mold, wetness was, it might've been, might as well have been Dracard Noir. Um, okay. Concern. I'm so horny. I tr- I got something. Uh, Nisi Nash gave me something called the Womanizer. That sucker gave me two orgasms and I almost stroked out. It was so powerful because I had it on a nine instead of a three. And I, you know, and I'm tired too. The thing is, is I'm tired, but I'm horny. So I fell asleep with the toy in my hand. My son decides this is the day he wants to walk in my damn room as I got the thing in my hand still vibrating. So it's like, you know, I just, I need a little something, something. I'm accidentally celibate two years going on strong. And, you know, I'm I'm learning a lot of self-growth, but yeah, I'm touch starved. I just need you to touch me. Like I got these big, huge breasts and I'm touching them myself and it's not the right. It's not Sherry, this got so real so fast <laughs> right at the end. I just, now I'm like kicking myself that this wasn't the tone we set up top <laughs> because that is the clip we're going to use to market this episode <laughs> to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I don't want you to be touch starved. I'm, I'm touch starved. I can't hate that. Like normally if I would meet you, I'd go hug you. I like hug people. Right. You can't even do that. I'm talking to you. I feel a mask you. on my face, but I, you know, it's a respect thing and I don't want to get sick and I don't want you to be sick and we have to do that. Like yeah. I want to reach out through the thing. You. Mm-hmm. I want to kiss you on your neck. Like I hug, like I get a, you want, yeah. I hug you like I'm a lesbian. I like, I want you to be in me and me inside. inside. I want to feel like your energy and your essence. I yeah. To do that. I want to give that to you. I want to be there for you. I want to do that for you. I'm going to seek you out. So you will give that to me. (laughs) You know, the next time we see each other, if we're ever able to do a show again, it's going to be such a different vibe because now I know so much more about you. I've fallen so much more in love with you. And now like, we're not just two, like we're friends. We're not just two comics in masks. I love my phone with a heart after your name. So I love that. So we'll go go break bread and hang out. I would love that. Let's do that. And I don't know her personally, but I've been a fan ever since Reno 911. And I was a fan of Getting On, which like is such a deep cut if you love like very still comedies. Will you just tell Niecy Nash that I'm a big fan? I don't need anything else. I just want her to know that. Because I'm going to see her at like an award show and she's just going to be like, is this Jennifer Lawrence? I'll be like, no, I'm a different white one. 
Can I tell you, I met Nancy at the improv. She was doing stand up. Wow. Doing stand up. Yeah. And she just, she, her career took up as an actress before stand up. But I met her doing stand up. We were in the bathroom washing our hands. And we started talking. She's and I was great. Like, you're really yeah. good. And she was like, you good too. And who you are, who you are. And that literally was like 25 years ago. Ugh. To be a fly on the wall. Sherry Shepard, thank you so Girl. much for being open and accessible and tiny voice. I really like being with you too. And you're hot. And I, I just, I, 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 less is more. Okay. You guys, you know she's funny. You can follow her at Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-I-E Shepard. <clears throat> Sherry Shepard, Shepard, P-H-E-R-D. I'll spell the whole thing. S-H-E-R-R-I-E-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. Or just Google it. That's on Instagram and Twitter. And her podcast is Two Funny Mamas with Kim Whitley. It's on YouTube and where all podcasts are cast from. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.